Our good word today is 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. Now, we've been talking about Paul as the gentle nurse. In verses 1 through 6, we saw his faithfulness as a steward. Now we see his gentleness as a spiritual nurse. In the next section, verses 9 through 13, we're going to see his firmness as a father. But right now, it's his gentleness as a nurse. You know, we who are in Christian service need to adjust our activities and our actions to the need. There are some times when people need to be spanked. There are other times when they just simply need to be encouraged and loved. And a spanking is just as much an expression of love as is encouragement. Now, Paul took these spiritual babies at Thessalonica, and he nursed them. In verse 8, So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because ye were dear unto us. It's the picture of a mother nursing her child. Now, this is God's way for a child to grow. I think that there's something very practical and very wonderful about nursing a child. As I mentioned in a previous lesson, my wife is a great believer in natural childbirth and in mothers nursing their children. Now, sometimes mothers can't. I recognize this fact. But this is the way God made it because it puts the child next to the mother's heart. It's an expression of love. It ought to be. And it also is an expression of discipline. The mother has to discipline herself to be able to feed her little baby. And the food that she partakes of becomes a part of herself And then she shares this with her child. It's an expression of loving sacrifice. Now, many young mothers are not the least bit interested in nursing their children because they don't want to be tied down. They want to run off to the movies and the card parties, and they don't want to be bothered. And so they let some manufacturing firm in New York City bottle something for them, and they let the baby be raised by some babysitter while they're out running around. This is not the way God made it. This is not the way God meant it to be, neither physically nor spiritually. God never meant for us to bring spiritual babies into the world and then turn them over to babysitters. We are not to be babysitters. A babysitter does not nurse the baby. That's not her business. She's not the mother. A babysitter just watches the kids and and, uh, tries to take care of them. Now, churches will never be built by babysitters. I have invitations to go out into Bible conference ministry, and I enjoy it. I thank God for these open doors to teach the Word of God. But I cannot do in a church what the pastor ought to do and the deacons and the Sunday school teachers. I'm a visitor. I've heard people say, well, sometimes the guest speaker can do things that the pastor can't do. That's a lie. Do you mean to tell me that the babysitter who takes care of my children, if my wife and I are out somewhere, can do things I can't do? I don't believe that. I can spank my children. I can discipline my children. I can show more love to my children than any babysitter ever could show to them. If the pastor and the deacons and the Sunday school teachers are what they ought to be, they can be nursing mothers to these babies in the church. So these new babies, these spiritual babies, these born-again children of God now, they need love and they need nourishment. They need food. We have the picture here of a nurse imparting physical food and spiritual food to the baby. This ties in with what Peter says in 1 Peter 2, 2. As sincere newborn babes, as newborn babes desire the sincere, the unadulterated milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Now, the new babies need food. They don't need entertainment. Don't ever get this idea that when a new baby comes into the church, they have to be entertained. They need food. 
That's how they grow. They start off with milk. Now, the milk means the simple things of the word, what Jesus did on earth, his birth, his life, his teachings, his death, his resurrection. That's the milk of the word. Then they get a little older, you can feed them the meat of the word. What's the meat of the word? What Jesus is doing right now. The meat of the word is what Jesus is doing now up in heaven. Now, most Christians in our churches know the milk of the word. They know about his birth, his life, his teachings, and his death. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and his resurrection. But you ask them about his ascension, his heavenly priesthood up in heaven, his intercessory work, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and they look at you with blank faces. Why is it our Christians today don't graduate from the milk of the word, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, into the meat of the word, Acts, Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians? Oh, how wonderful it is to chew on the meat of the word. The word of God is also bread. Matthew 4, 4, Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. You know, back in the Old Testament, the Jews were fed by bread, the manna. The word manna means what is it? And early in the morning on the dew, this little wafer would fall, and the Jews would have to go out early in the morning and pick up this white, round, sweet wafer, and they said, manna, what is it? Well, it was God's bread. It was angel food, says the psalmist. God sent down every morning for years, for some nearly 38 years, to feed the Jews in the wilderness. Now, Jesus is that manna. The word of God is that manna. In John chapter 6, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of God that came down from heaven. The word of God is also honey. In Psalm 119, verse 103, the psalmist said, How sweet are thy words to my taste, yea, sweeter than honey. Now, this is the diet that we need as Christians. We need the milk of the word. You never get too old for milk, really. And you need the meat of the word, the deeper things of Christ's present ministry in heaven. You need the bread and the honey of the word. We don't need the garbage of the world. Now, Paul wrote to Timothy and warned him about this matter of spiritual food. He says in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6, if thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, 1 Timothy 4, 6, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained, but refuse profane and old wives' fables. Now, the word of God is the good doctrine, the healthy doctrine on which we grow. The old wives' fables, the profane worldly things, that's the poison that'll kill you. Over in the book of Titus and also in Timothy, he keeps talking about the sound doctrine. The word sound means healthy, healthy doctrine. You know, Christians can turn on the radio and hear lies. They can hear garbage. They can hear the word of God twisted and mangled and poisoned. Paul says, we fed you the true word of God. Peter says, you desire the sincere, unadulterated milk of the Word of God. This is what children need to grow. And folks, we need to remind ourselves that raising babies is not easy. I know some people who refuse to have a family because they don't want to be bothered. But all oh, the joy that they're missing. I tell you, we have four children. There are times when they're a heartbreak. There are times when they're a burden. But all oh, the joy it is to have a family. My heart goes out to some people who in God's providence have not been given children. 
they don't have this joy. Now, certainly children are a burden, and sometimes children are a heartbreak, but oh, for the most part, they're a joy when you raise them to love the Lord. And this is true of spiritual children. Have you raised any spiritual children lately? I know when you lead someone to Christ and you say to them, now, look, you need help. You're just a young baby now. You need help. So you call on me. I'm your pediatrician. I want to help you grow. I'm your nursing mother. I want to help you grow. It's demanding. I've had them call me all hours of the day and night as they're growing in the Lord. But, oh, what a wonderful reward it is to see these babies grow. Well, these babies need love, and they need food, and they also need exercise. Over in chapter 2 and verse 12, he says that ye would walk worthy of God. It's, it's wonderful to, to see these babies grow up and learn how to walk. It's always a joy somehow in a home to say, oh, our son took his first step today. And this is good spiritually, too. It's wonderful to watch these spiritual babies grow up and get able to walk. Now, exercise is very important in the Christian life. Exercise and nutrition go together. If all you do is eat and don't exercise, you'll get overweight. If you exercise and don't eat, you'll wear yourself out. And these babies need exercise, spiritual exercise. Finally, they need examples to follow. In chapter 2, verse 10, Paul says, You are witnesses, and God also, how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. Babies need an example to follow. They learn how to eat by following example. They learn how to talk by imitation. They learn how to walk and dress by imitation. It's too bad when some of us are not worth imitating. You can tell much about parents just by watching their children. We get the young people at camp and children at camp, in vacation Bible school, in Sunday school, and you can tell a great deal about parents from their children because by unconscious imitation, children pick up the habits of their parents. We become like mother and father. Apart from the grace of God, we become like those who brought us into the world. This is true in the church. Someone says, well, I'm a church officer. I don't see anything wrong with going to shows. I don't see a thing wrong with doing this or that. Well, are the babies watching you? If you're a church officer, my friend, a pastor, a deacon, a leader in your church, you'd better be careful what you do because somebody's watching you. Somebody's following in your footsteps. These children, these little babies need love and they need food and exercise and example. And this is the way they grow. The gentle nurse nursing the children. Now, in verse 8, Paul makes a very practical statement that we need to remember in our Christian ministry. He says that ministering is imparting our very selves. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls because you were dear unto us. At the beginning of this verse and at the end of this verse, Paul expresses his love for them. Now, love is shown in sacrifice. You can talk about love all you want to, but love is shown in sacrifice. I read some time ago about an editor, a book editor, and a lady came to see him because she wanted him to publish her book of poetry. And he said to her, Madam, what is this poetry about? She said, it's about love. He said, what is love? Define it for me. Oh, she said, love is a beautiful moonlight night with the moon shining through the trees and the fragrance of daffodils floating across. He said, stop it right now. That's not love. That's not love at all. That's romance. That's sentiment. 
He said love is getting up at 2 o'clock in the morning and fixing food for someone who came home from work. Love is waking up and taking care of the baby. Love is slaving over a hot stove for your family. That's love. He said, Madam, you get out of here, and when you find out what love is, then you write some poems and come back. I like that. You know, Christian love is not some kind of idle emotion. Christian love is not some shallow sentiment. Christian love is sacrifice. Now, wherever you find love, you've got to find sacrifice. Once again, the illustration of the home. There isn't a person in the world who would work for Procter & Gamble or GE and do what a mother and a father do and get no wages for it. Here's a mother who fixes clothes, who fixes meals, who washes dirty clothes, keeps the house clean, washes dishes, plans menus, gets very little appreciation for it. Why would she do that for anybody else? I doubt it. Why does she do it? It's love. When she washes those clothes, these clothes belong to her children, to her husband, and she loves them. When she fixes those meals, it's because she loves them. When she mends those little socks, she does it in love. And you talk to her about sacrifice. She doesn't know what the word means because she just doesn't think about it. Sacrifice and love to her are the same thing. Jesus said, if you love me, you keep my commandments. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And Paul is saying here, look, you don't minister to people just with words. You've got to love them and share yourself with them, and that's the most demanding, sacrificial thing in all the world. I want that kind of a ministry for myself. I'm sure you want this kind of a ministry for yourself. Imparting our very lives to these wonderful spiritual babies that they might grow. This is Pastor Warren Wearsby at Calvary Baptist Church in Covington, Kentucky. Thank you so much for listening to What's the Good Word.